In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, glory be to Jesus Christ. You may be seated. I greet you on this third Sunday of the Triodion, the Sunday of the Final Judgment, and also known as Meat Fair Sunday. This is the last day that we as Orthodox Christians will be eating meat. Those who are able to do the fasts and have the constitution that allows them to undergo this discipline. We are encouraged in the scriptures today and in much of the hymnography of Matins to enter into this fast without judging our brothers. And so the church always exhorts us to pay attention to yourself, but not to others, when you enter into this season of the fast. There's so much I want to say today about this special day, but I want to continue with the series of sermons we've been giving on the Divine Liturgy of the Holy Orthodox Church, and I'll try to incorporate some of today's theme into this sermon This is the 27th sermon in this series. And we have been looking at Orthodox worship, Christian worship. What it is, what it consists of, and, and what the foundations of it are. And we have been looking in the book of Exodus. If the book of Exodus is a manual on how to build a tabernacle or a temple, a place for God to dwell then the book of Leviticus, which follows, is a manual on what to do inside that temple. In other words, Exodus gives a lot of details about how the temple was to be built, the tent tabernacle, temporary tabernacle, that Israel would use as they wandered through the wilderness. Now Leviticus is telling the people through Moses what to do in this temple. How to worship God. This is a manual on how to worship God. You know, we often say that the first Christians did not go through catechism like we do today in the Orthodox Church when we are preparing to enter the church. Catechism refers to that body of knowledge which in many Christian traditions is taught to people who are coming to faith and being prepared to enter into the church. I remember I first heard this word when I met some Lutherans and they were talking about the Lutheran catechism and the shorter catechism and the longer catechism and so on and so on. Every denomination kind of has their catechism. But the reality is that the first Christians were mostly Jews and they had been catechized through the centuries by the law by the books of the Old Testament, by the prophets. They, they went through a, a deep and intensive catechism. And so when they encountered Christ and those whose eyes were opened and had hearts of faith to receive Christ, they didn't need to go through a long catechetical process. They gave their lives to Christ. They joined the first Christian community and they became Christians. It really wasn't until about the 4th century when Christianity became legalized 
For the first 400 years, if you wanted to be a Christian, you had to take, you were basically taking your life in your hands. You were giving it to Christ. Many, many people were martyred and gave their life for Christ during that period. And so it was not the kind of thing you joined just to be cool or via the in crowd or to, to get along. No, you, you joined because you loved Christ. And were serious about being a disciple of Christ. But when the church became legal through Constantine, which was a good thing, persecutions were ended for the most part, then the church had to develop a catechism, a way of preparing people, people who had come out of a totally pagan background. All kinds of sexual sin, all kinds of idol worship, all kinds of horrible things, and they had to be catechized. So that's where catechism comes from. But those Jews who were raised in the strict, traditional Jewish community, as most of them were, they were already catechized. That's why I think it's so important that we read the Old Testament and understand it. Every Christian, especially in this modern age, you've got, you've got, everybody's got a Bible. Everybody's got the Internet. You can read, you can learn so much. You can read the Bible and you can read, and you can read commentary at the same time. Every Christian should know the Old Testament. I know it's hard to kind of slog through certain parts of it. The book of Leviticus, which we just, I just started studying for this sermon series, is, is very difficult. Tons of laws and rules about things. But when you read these laws and, and things, it really makes sense. And you begin to, to get a real sense of God's mind and heart. And what, he, what he intends for humanity. So anyway, Leviticus it begins telling us about What's to go on into this temple? So the book of Exodus concludes with everything's been prepared, everything's been put together, and then they, they begin the worship. Leviticus gives us the detailed instructions of temple sacrifice and all the laws governing the activity within the tabernacle. So... Initially, the, the Aaron and his sons are brought into the tabernacle and they're dressed in all this elaborate gear, priestly robes and everything, and especially Aaron has, has this beautiful crown, this turban on his head. He has this huge ephod which has 12 large minerals on it representing the 12 tribes of Israel, different uh, gems, um, so many things, and then this first offering is made. The first offering, God himself sends down the fire and sets it on fire. And that, of course, made a big impression on the people. That this was not just some act they're going through, but God himself was involved here. <clears throat> now, early Christian worship, early Christian worship, incorporated all of these elements into its liturgical celebrations except for the use of animal sacrifice and the sprinkling of blood. We don't have any of that in the church from the very beginning. That's because Christ himself, as the true God-man, is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world 
And through his precious blood shed upon the cross, the sins of the world are taken away. We do continue to use incense, which was used in the temple. The very first Christians did not. But once Christianity became established and there was no persecution, the church incorporated incense back into the liturgical worship of the church. The psalm says, Let my prayer arise in your sight as incense, and let the lifting up of my hands be an evening sacrifice. We also burn olive oil in our lampadas. We keep a lamp lit on the altar as much as possible. We have the seven can the lamp stand on the altar. We have the censer. We have a lot of these things that were carried over from the tabernacle worship. But Christ himself is the sacrifice. Christ himself is the Lamb of God. But in the book of Leviticus, there are a couple of instructions that are very important. The animals that were offered needed to be spotless, without blemish. In other words, you couldn't bring just the leftovers, so to speak. You brought your very best. And when the, before the animal was sacrificed, the person bringing the animal would set their hand on the head of the animal, whether it be a sheep, a goat, a bull, whatever. They put their hand on their head. And that was a symbolic way of transferring your sin and your shame and your guilt onto that animal. And it would be killed, that blood would be shed, and that, that blood would be sprinkled on the altar, and that would be an atonement for your sins. The priest would offer atonement for you, for himself, for all the people, every time this blood was shed. Atonement's a very important word. We're going to look at that in more detail as we go along because as Christianity has grown throughout the world and during the Protestant Reformation and then with Catholicism, there are many different approaches to what atonement really means. And we, it's important that we understand what the orthodox meaning of atonement is. But this ritual for the Jews provided a very tangible way to show that those who brought the sacrifices that they were truly sorry for their sins. It made them realize how costly sin is and that a sacrifice has to be made for sin. We, in our, our modern era, we, we really need to understand this because we live in a world where people do not want to sacrifice. They don't want to, they don't want to suffer. We don't, we don't want to have be in, even inconvenienced. But we need to realize there are consequences for our actions and that there is a price to be paid. And thankfully, Jesus Christ has paid the ultimate price for sin through his own life. Another important point was that everything that was done in the temple was done by those who were given the authority to do it. 
They were anointed. The first thing they did was they poured oil on their head of Aaron. And there's a prayer that the priest prays when he puts on the stole, the stole that the priest wears. He says, Blessed is God who pours out his grace upon his priests as oil upon the beard of, the beard of Aaron that runs down the border of his robes. So nothing was to be done out of your own self-will or making up things or take, break, bringing in things that weren't part of the temple. And so the first example of where this rule was broken was two of Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, brought in their own incense and their own fire to burn the incense, and it was called strange fire. God did not recognize it. It was not part of what God had told Moses to prepare. But they went out on their own. They appointed themselves to bring in this strange fire. St. Irenaeus has a commentary on this. Of course, what happened was when they did this, fire came out from the Lord and, and killed both of them in the tabernacle. That was pretty serious. That got everybody's attention for sure. I think that may be where the expression playing with fire comes from. <laughs> you don't play with fire. You don't play with God. You don't play games with God. St. Irenaeus comments on this event. He wrote this in the second century. Wherefore, it is incumbent to obey the priests who are in the church, those who, as I have shown, possess the succession of the episcopate, Succession from the apostles. Having received the gift of truth according to the good pleasure of the Father, but it is also incumbent to hold in suspicion the others who depart from the primitive succession and assemble themselves together in any place whatsoever, looking upon them neither either as heretics or perverse minds or as schismatics, puffed up and self-pleasing, or again as hypocrites, acting thus for the sake of lucre or money and vainglory for all these have fallen from the truth and the heretics indeed who bring strange fire to the altar of God namely strange doctrines shall be burned up by the fire from heaven as were Nadab and Abihu so in the divine liturgy of the orthodox church we find these old testament principles to be foundational that is, the service is conducted by an Orthodox priest who is in the canonical apostolic succession, and the services are conducted according to the divine revelation of God in the church, and not according to the personal whim or opinion of independent, self-appointed pastors. And it is in this canonical and divinely inspired service the divine liturgy which we celebrate today, that we commemorate the once and for all sacrifice of our Lord and God and Savior Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, glory be to Jesus Christ. Glory for